they had a 44% reduction in gut discomfort and 60% in total GI symptoms. And very importantly, they had uh, they reduced the amount of uh, carbohydrate that went to waste, so less carbohydrate malabsorption. The Triathlon Show 122. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I will talk about training your gut to tolerate consuming uh, gels and uh, carbohydrate in general in training and racing. I have to admit that I'm kind of rushing to get this episode out. I'm recording it just uh, three days before it's supposed to be released, which is totally against what I usually do. But uh, I'm still struggling to get one interview done. I'm interviewing John Keeley on periodization, which is a fascinating interview, but we are having all sorts of technical issues and now... John needs to get a new laptop to be able to really do anything, so it affects all of his other work as well, I think, because his old computer is uh, really shutting down on him. So that's, but we still thought we would be able to do it, but uh, it turns out we were not. So I had to, I just tried to do the interview with him and we didn't manage. There were issues on his microphone. So, uh, so I had to come up with another topic. So this one, will be fairly short and to the point for that reason but uh, it is a topic that hasn't really been covered yet at least not from what we actually know from science so i'm happy to be able to give you some insights on that on uh, how what we know about gut training and training your gut to tolerate carbohydrates and absorb them and all those sorts of things We'll get right into that after thanking our sponsors. First, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration. If you suffer from cramping or just unreasonably large performance decrements in the heat or even nausea, it's very likely that the reason is, or at least part of the reason, is that you're not replenishing your electrolytes correctly. And this is a case where you can't just take blind guesses at how much electrolytes you need. You can't just uh, take some salt tablets, put them in your pocket and uh, take them randomly in your race. It won't work. And uh, that's why Andy Blow, that's what he did when he was racing. But then he found out that it didn't work and he founded Precision Hydration to to solve that problem and you can hear Andy's interview on episode 40 and actually very soon coming up he will be on episode 126 talking about swim run training so that will be cool but uh, with precision hydration going back to that it becomes super easy for you to create and execute a precise electrolyte plan first take their online sweat test on precisionhydration.com then get the electrolyte products that match your individual sweat needs And finally, just follow the plan. Again, that's precisionhydration.com. Use the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get your first box for free. This episode is also sponsored by Stack, and there's just a few more days left to pre-order the world's quietest, most foldable indoor trainer, a Stack Zero. Actually, the new smart trainer is called something else, and I should have checked what its name will be, because I know that the Stack uh, team just 
put out the results of their uh, their survey or their poll where basically anybody could vote for the new name. Anyway, it's a new smart trainer that you can get for a 150 euro discount and this opportunity goes away on the 30th of April. Uh, and now I have checked with Andrew, you cannot combine this discount with the code TTS20 that would normally give you 20% off. But uh, so if you do pre-order it, please send the stack team a message telling them that that triathlon show, show sent you. Because remember, sponsors are what keeps this show alive. So uh, we really need to show them that uh, that what that they're sponsoring the show makes an impact. So the address for that, where you can find all about the new Stack Zero Smart Trainer, is stackzero.com forward slash pre-order. All right, let's go right into talking about training your gut. So this topic of training your gut is something that came up in uh, quite a few of uh, the coaching calls that I had recently with the athletes that I coach. And we've been talking about uh, how they should fuel their their training now that uh, spring is here and a lot of them are getting out on the roads finally and doing longer rides that's something that we we've paid attention to and uh, and i started to realize when i was saying that uh, yeah, one of the main reasons that you should train is not just to perform in training but also you need to train your gut to tolerate it in racing and i started thinking what what do you actually know based on science uh, on this topic and i started looking around and there is quite a bit that we could definitely uh, do with more information, more studies on this topic, as always. But uh, but what we do know it gives us a great starting point. So let's just give a quick background to what can happen if you have not trained your gut. That's basically gastrointestinal problems or GI problems uh, for short. They are very common in endurance sports, and uh, I'm now citing Asker Jokendrup and his review called Training the Gut for Athletes that uh, was published in Sports Medicine in 2017, so a very, very reputable journal. He writes that 30-50% of all athletes experience GI problems regularly. The causes are largely unknown, but appear to be partly genetically determined and highly individual. The mechanisms are likely to be different for upper and lower GI problems. The symptoms are more likely to occur and are exacerbated by hot weather conditions and dehydration. Although a link with nutrition intake is not always found, certain practices have been found to correlate with the incidence of GI problems like fiber intake, fat intake, and highly concentrated carbohydrate solutions that all seem to increase the prevalence of GI problems. So that gives you the background to uh, to the actual problems. And... Uh, and of course, you know that you need, especially in, in racing, but also in training, uh, consume energy because uh, your your energy stores are limited, your glycogen stores are limited in your body. And uh, if you don't consume em- energy, you'll bonk and you won't perform as well. So we've talked about this in episode 100 on that triathlon show that was called Nutrition Before, During and After Workouts. Basically, the guidelines, and this is uh, something that is very well established, is to consume between 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. And uh, 
if you only consume one type of carbohydrate, like glucose, let's say you have a sports drink that is only glucose and no fructose or other uh, carbohydrate uh, sources, then then you can only basically absorb 60 grams, so you should only take in 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. But if you have multiple uh, carbohydrates in whatever whatever your fuel is, most gels, for example, are a mixture of glucose and fructose in a 2 to 1 ratio. Then you can go up to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour because you will be able to absorb it since there, uh, there are different transporters in your body, in your intestines, that, uh, that transport dis- different sorts of carbohydrate. Uh, and actually something that uh, is pointed out in the review study is that there's actually less risk of GI distress when you go for the 90 grams of multiple sorts of carbohydrates compared to even just uh, compared to 60 grams of just one single carbohydrate source so that is uh, that is very interesting all right so so far this is all things that you basically know already i believe we talked about it before on this podcast but training the gut what are the different ways that you can do it and uh, and how does it uh, does it impact impact you and and benefit you so there are, again there's a great this review article is uh, is available for free in its full version i'll link to it in the show notes of course there's a great uh, visual graphic there that shows the different ways and first we have uh, the first method of training the gut is training with relatively large volumes of fluid uh, to train the stomach. And uh, this uh, reduces bloating and fullness during exercise and it can also increase gastric emptying. The second method is uh, training immediately after a meal. And uh, this has the same two effects and it can also increase your capacity to absorb carbohydrate. The third method is to train with relatively high carbohydrate intake during exercise. So that would be in that uh, 60 to 90 grams per hour range. And this also has all of these three physiological effects, reducing bloating and fullness, increasing gastric emptying, and increasing the capacity to absorb carbohydrate. And the fourth one is to simulate the race with a race nutrition plan. And this is basically this is the same as the last point in a way, uh, but uh, but it can be more specific perhaps. Like you have specific intensity and uh, and trying to make all of this work at that intensity as well. It can even be something like conditions, like uh, if you can train in the heat for a hot race and uh, see if you can still tolerate the energy that you have planned to take in in that heat. That's another example of how this simulating the race kind of goes beyond just training with relatively high carbohydrate intake and finally increased carbohydrate content of your diet depending on what your diet currently is is uh, another way that you can that you can improve your capacity to uh, to absorb carbohydrate and uh, all of these uh, physiological effects that I mentioned, they in the end lead to reduced gastrointestinal problems, increased delivery of carbohydrate to the muscles, and both of these then uh, combine to ultimately result in improved performance. This is all summarized, as I said, in a nice picture in the review study. Definitely check that out. It's linked to in the episode descriptions. 
So if we talk about uh, these uh, one at a time, first uh, train your stomach to handle large volumes of fluid. There's one study by Lambert and colleagues that showed that uh, trained runners were able to tol comfortably tolerate uh, ingestion of a carbohydrate electrolyte solution at a rate approximately equal to their sweat rate during 90 minutes of running at, uh, at a steady, steady state, 65% of VO2 max. And uh, the researchers observed that their stomach comfort significantly improved over time when they practiced this protocol, these high intakes over and over again, because consuming as much as you, as you sweat, uh, the conditions were 25 degrees Celsius, 30% humidity, by the way, uh, that definitely is quite a lot of sweat that you'll lose and uh, consequently a lot of fluid that you need to drink. So the the conclusion of this is that training for intake of larger volumes can be an effective strategy to avoid uh, discomfort in races, and uh, especially if uh, if you feel discomfort uh, already with relatively small volumes of fluid. The next point that uh, we will cover here is high carbohydrate intake in training and uh, race nutrition simulation. So what? Uh, if I summarize what the review study writes about that, it's that in addition to an increased absorptive capacity, uh, this kind of training uh, becomes easier to tolerate and uh, gastric emptying can be improved when it's practiced in training. Gastric emptying is uh, usually not considered a limiting factor, but if certain conditions uh, are in place, like heat, and high carbohydrate intake and high intensity, uh, then they can combine and compromise gastric emptying. So it is important to practice both high carbohydrate intake in general, but also at race intensities and at uh, in race conditions like heat, for example. If you can, if if you have a hot race, then you should try to, if possible, practice your nutrition strategy in that kind of heat to get used to these volumes of, or these amounts of carbohydrate in that specific condition. And the next point that I want to go into here is dietary content and how that affects or is part of your gut training. We don't know exactly what the link between your daily carbohydrate intake and the transport capacity for carbs in your bloodstream is. But uh, some studies indicate that there can be a strong link and that we can improve our uh, capacity to transport and absorb carbohydrates by, by increasing the, the percentage of carbs we eat in our daily diet. So uh, one such study investigated, uh, they had 16 trained cyclists and they were divided in two groups, one control group and one high carb group. And they trained 16 hours per week for 28 days. Both groups improved their performance and uh, the car high carb group, they, they had uh, a supplement with an additional 1.5 grams of carbs per kilogram body weight per hour of exercise uh, added to their diet. And the baseline diet for both groups were 5 grams per kilogram per day. And then basically the, the amount varied based on the amount of training they did each single day. 
And as I said, both of these groups improved their performance a similar amount. But what was interesting was that the, uh, the group that took extra carbs, they managed to improve how much uh, of exogenous carbs like gels or sports drinks that they could actually use for fuel in, in training and racing. So not all carbs that you take on can necessarily be used by the muscles. Some will go to waste, so to say. And this was something that this group that took extra carbs that they that they improved uh, in uh, after the twenty eight day period they were able to reduce the waste. But that said, the review study goes on to talk about uh, the fact that for for a single uh, form of carbohydrate transport capacity hardly ever exceeds sixty grams per hour in individuals. So uh, there likely is a limit to how much you can you can train your ability to transport uh, carbs, and uh, so so if you are already on an endurance diet that uh, that contains a pretty high amount of carbs, then probably you might not see that much improvement by increasing that even further. But if you are on a on a low carb diet or something like a ketogenic diet then that's the case when, when you probably could see your ability of uh, carb transportation to, to improve. And this can happen very quickly. It can happen within a few days, three days to, to two weeks. For example, this is a, a study that's uh, referenced in the review. It's not based on endurance athletes. It's actually animal data. But uh, one study found that an increase in uh, dietary carbohydrate from 40 to 70% uh, of the daily calorie intake that doubled the uh, the amount of SGLT1 transporters, so the transporters for carbs, in just two weeks. And other studies have found even shorter periods that you can do significant improvements by dietary alterations. So, uh, so to summarize, I think that for if you have an endurance diet that contains a good amount of carbs this may not be as important for you but if you are on a low carb diet this is uh, uh, could be a, a place where there's some low-hanging fruit by increasing that amount of dietary carb that would help you probably to to absorb more carbs so and this uh, also is uh, an important argument that against the quite recent uh, media and social media uh, hype around uh, train low, race high strategies. There isn't really that much that uh, that speaks for that strategy, and, and I would really be interested to see if anybody knows of good evidence for train low, race high. Uh, then please send send it to me, and uh, because I would love to to review that as well. But from what I've seen, I, I haven't really seen any uh, scientific evidence for that. Another thing that is related to all of this is the interview that I did with Jesse Kropolnicki in episode 40. It's called The Core Diet, but he goes very much into this and how he has his athletes uh, consume carbs every single workout to to be able to learn to, to absorb them and use them as fuel. So this all makes sense, or the, the interview with Jesse all starts to make sense when you look at the evidence that that I just talked about here. And one study that I want to talk about still that wasn't in the review because it's so recent, it's from last year. It's an Australian study called Two Weeks of Repetitive Gut Challenge Reduce Exercise Associated Gastrointestinal Symptoms and Malabsorption. 
that's uh, a mouthful. Uh, it was uh, published in the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports. And as far as I'm aware, this is the first study to investigate training your gut to consume gels. So this study involved 18 trained runners. And they, they had a test that consisted of two hours of steady running at 60% of VO2 max, followed by, by a one-hour time trial. And in those two hours before, they consumed 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. And that was three gels. And each gel had 30 grams, grams of carbohydrate in a 2 to 1 glucose to fructo- fructose ratio. And uh, every 20 minutes, they had a gel, gel basically. And uh, all of the subjects had at least moderate GI symptoms and 67% of them had severe symptoms uh, in that first trial that they did. Uh, and also 61% of them had, uh, they had a lot of waste carbohydrates, so malabsorption basically. They couldn't absorb as much of the carbohydrate as you would have expected uh, to use as fuel in, uh, in the time trial and in the exercise. So uh, then they went into a period of gut training of two weeks. So they had, during those two weeks, they had 10 days of training and every day was a one hour run at that same steady intensity, 60% of VO2 max. And half of the participants took uh, 90 grams of carbohydrates, uh, three gels every 20, or one gel every 20 minutes, three gels per hour, just as in the test. And uh, the other half, uh, they just had placebo gels that had the same taste and texture, but uh, no carbs. And then they had a second, uh, a second gut challenge, as they called it, second test, just like the first one, two hours of steady running and then a one-hour time trial. And uh, a lot of the participants still had some GI symptoms, but in the gut training group, the symptoms, they really, really decreased significantly. They had a 44% reduction in gut discomfort and 60% in total GI symptoms. And very importantly, they uh, they reduced the amount of uh, carbohydrate that went to waste. So less carbohydrate malabsorption than uh, the placebo group that didn't change in, in any of these. So and none of the uh, gut training participants had, an, had severe GI symptoms anymore. They were moderate at most. For some of them, they were completely gone. And, uh, but the most important thing here is that they improved their time trial performance. So remember, it was a one-hour time trial. And they improved it by 5% while the placebo group didn't improve. So that is uh, something that's very important. And... Uh, the reasons are probably two. One, that they managed to absorb more carbs and uh, so they had more energy. They didn't bonk as much as the as the training, the other, the control group, sorry. And two, well, obviously, if you have GI discomfort, uh, running fast becomes difficult. So so these are the two reasons. And, and that's about it, uh, about gut training. So the key takeaways here is that you need to practice nutrition in training to learn both to tolerate it, reduce that discomfort, and to absorb it, to not have that uh, malabsorption of carbohydrate. Because even if you tolerate it, if you never train with uh, carbohydrate products, you might not get all of that energy into your working muscles to use as fuel. And again, this goes right along with what we talked about with Jesse Kropolnicki in episode 40 that I'll link to in the show notes and in the episode description as well. And the second Takeaway here is that uh, 
there isn't a lot going for a trade low raise high strategy uh, that has become popularized recently as i said uh, some of the things that we talked about from the review study by asker jokendrup is that uh, a higher amount of carbohydrate in your day-to-day diet increases uh, the um, the transport capacity of carbohydrate which is essential for being able to use any fuel that you that you take on the board so if you if you train low on uh, and you and you have a low normal daily intake of carbohydrate then you're not going to make the best use of the gels when you do take them in races as usual, you can find the show notes for this episode on thattriathlonshow.com. Leave your comments or questions there. And in the next episode, I will interview David Peace, who is uh, the author of the Swimming Technique and Biomechanics section of Triathlon Science, a book that I've talked about many, many times. And he joins me to talk about just that, Swimming Technique and Biomechanics. So we'll revisit that topic and it's about time because it's an important topic and it's been quite some time since I've had had an episode on that topic. We will definitely have John Keeley on to talk about periodization soon, but he's now waiting for his new computer. So it will probably be after mid-May, maybe late May or something like that. Some random house cleaning items first. I have now done two pain-free runs, which I'm super excited about. I'm up to 17 minutes, and uh, as you can hear, there's a long road ahead. But things are so much brighter now that I can run again. I'm still taking two days off for every day that I run, and I will increase volume very, very slowly. I keep going to the chiropractor i might keep going to acupuncture i think acupuncture has been a key really in getting me pain-free because it was around the time that i started going to acupuncture that i started to see improvements and i also will uh, investigate with an orthopedic doctor if there is anything structurally wrong once more so i have a big support team that helps me which i'm very grateful for And uh, second, I know that you like podcasts, so I want to give uh, a couple of shout-outs to to podcasts. And first uh, is a very new one, like literally a few days old, the Faster podcast by Flow Cycling. And the guys from Flow, John and Chris Fornham, are previous guests on the show. It was episode 31 called How to Shave 14 Minutes Off Your Ironman Bike Split. And they only have one episode out yet on the Faster podcast, but that was very good. It was an interview with Jonathan Lee from uh, Trainer Rhodes podcast. And uh, I definitely look forward to hearing more of their episodes coming out. So uh, check that out if you're interested. And uh, second, a totally non-triathlon related, but it's so brilliant that I just have to promote it. It's called Potter Less. If you like Harry Potter, this is a podcast that you'll love. It's this guy, he's 24 years old and he has never read any Harry Potter books. He's watched four and a half movies and now age 24 he starts reading the books and he talks with like big Harry Potter fans about uh, the books and it makes all sorts of uh, observations and uh, uh, holes in the plot basically all it's very it's just very funny he he reviews the books and uh, kind of goes through them and what happens and i i've enjoyed it a lot i i don't think i'm making it justice but if you like harry potter then i think that you'll love the potterless podcast so let's thank our sponsors and uh, 
Precision Hydration is, as you know, the sponsor of this show. And I got an email recently from a listener called Steve. He wrote in saying, I'm sitting in an accommodation container in Kabul on a short mission with the UN Environment Team, listening to your podcasts. I subscribed last week and have posted a review. I want to send a short endorsement for Precision Hydration. I have a couple of tubes with me here, not only for the endurance sports purpose, but they are actually great for staying in a good hydrated shape when acclimatizing to the heat and climate here. Steve also wrote about his upcoming plans for the season, so good luck at Challenge Roth, Steve. I'm sure you'll be rocking pH in your bottles there as well. And uh, if you want to do like Steve and take control of your hydration and your electrolytes, just go to precisionhydration.com and use the promo code THATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get your first box or tube for free. And thank you so much to Stack if you are looking for a new indoor bike trainer. I highly, highly recommend getting a Stack Zero or the new Smart Trainer. As I just said, my knee is getting in much better shape. There was a period when I couldn't bike at all. It was a pretty long period, actually. But now I'm back up to two hours. Still haven't went out on the road. I'm still very careful and I want to be able to get off the trainer immediately if at any sign of pain. But I've been riding on my stack on the patio in the Portuguese sun and it feels like a fantastic victory. I do want to get out on the road soon, roads soon, but uh, with the stack I can. Uh, it's silent, it's foldable, and uh, the silence definitely helps because I I just sit and uh, and watch different TV shows with Portuguese subtitles to to practice my Portuguese while while I ride. So that's a big plus that I couldn't do with most other trainers because the noise would be too much for the poor sound quality that I have coming out of my laptop. You can learn more about the stack and their new smart trainer as well on stackzero.com or stackzero.com forward slash pre-order. Remember, just a few days left until the 30th of April to pre-order the new smart trainer. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>